Welcome back. I'm Shane McClelland. I'm Lori Gum. And these are the Q Files. Cheers to Twelve's Night. Well, it's 2021, and here we are again at dinner. There seems to be a theme here. But we gathered this time to celebrate and honor the long-forgotten holiday of Twelfth Night, which you might have heard alluded to in A Christmas Carol, or are familiar with it as the title of one of Shakespeare's most beloved comedies. In this episode, we will dig deep into the darker, more unnerving, and more confounding elements of this age-old tradition. And on the lighter side, we'll even try to persuade you that just maybe, we have indeed rediscovered the most appropriate of queer holidays. One note before we begin, it is important for you to know that we recorded the first portion of the show on Twelfth Night, which, much to our eventual amazement and befuddlement, was on the evening of January 5th. And so, we settled down to a delicious dinner of smoked Cornish hen and grilled pears, the closest we could come to serving up a partridge and a pear tree. So we have gathered for, (laughs) I guess, our rediscovery of Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night is, was, a holiday that was very much celebrated a couple of centuries ago. Century ago, century and a half ago. And... It was basically Epiphany Eve. So Epiphany is every January 6th. And so the 12th night, which is the 12 days after Christmas, when you hear the 12th day of Christmas, well, they're counting it down from the first day of Christmas is Christmas day. 12th day is 12th night. But it started because Epiphany on January 6th is the celebration of when the three kings, or three wise men, came to visit Jesus, as right. yeah. told in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and so, that's always been celebrated by you know Catholics in particular. However, Twelfth Night really developed as the eve of that, because it is about the best way to probably describe it, and you can disagree or not, is topsy-turvy. It's right. that the epiphany turned the world upside down a couple of ways. Number one, three kings are bringing gold, incense, and myrrh to a peasant baby in a barn. It's the world turned upside down. So what Twelfth Night celebrates is, for one night, we celebrate that chaos. Right. It is the chaos of Epiphany. And the Twelfth Night celebrations <clears throat> would go so far as not just social classes being, social hierarchies being turned topsy-turvy, but women would dress as, as men and, and men would dress as women. And there was gender confusion and and weird sexual attraction, unusual sexual attraction. Yeah. And these parties were raucous. And uh, we'll talk about the wassailing in a little bit, but these were raucous parties that turned the world upside down. So it's, it is literally, we are gathered here tonight to celebrate chaos. I mean, that's what we're celebrating. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, earlier when 
when we were chatting on the porch, um, you likened it to kind of like the idea of queer Halloween and just this like kind of revolutionary opportunity to be who you are or who you wanted to be um, for one evening. Yeah. And I think that's really like, you know, it's highlighted in the, like, the, the, the shit, like, swapping of, um, maybe not like gender roles, but like gender clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of the overall idea of, you know, I have to talk about like the cake and everything, but getting to be king for an evening, like just like one person gets to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And have everybody do that with them. Right. So we'll jump ahead. So one of the big centerpieces of Twelfth Night Parties is what's called a king cake. Now, you, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the king cake from Mardi Gras. It is a kind of cinnamon twirled, you know, round um, with a baby Jesus in it. Of course, nowadays, the baby Jesus comes outside of the cake, so people don't choke. But um, <laughs> I think there should be some danger. Absolutely. You know. So anyway, what we did is what was more celebratory cake-wise with Twelfth Night was <clears throat> I made a Galette de Voix, which is a French pastry with um, frangipan almond filling. It's beautiful. Um, but what is inside of that is a bean. Just it's a, a bean. bean. And whoever, traditionally on Twelfth Night parties, whoever got the bean would be the, the king for the night. And they would put on a paper crown, as we have paper crowns right. here, ready to go. Um, but not only the king for the night, he would also be specifically the lord of misrule. So that meant chaos. So right. that determined all these crazy um, uh, games that they would play. And again, many of these were very sexually charged. Um, and it was basically a peasant becoming a king for the night and getting to have his underlings underneath him and yeah. dictate to them. So it really is a celebration of chaos and I find that so fascinating. Yeah, the truth of the matter was this evening we were out to discover the true and opaque nature of chaos, cosmic and otherwise, and somehow befriend it. Well, I mean, it's something that we don't... People have a negative view of chaos. Good or like, point. Or chaotic things. And really, you know, chaos is full of opportunity. And, totally. you know, celebrating that is something that maybe we should get back to. Um, even just, you know, the, the further rituals of the Twelfth Night, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But um, just this idea of celebrating, you know, kind of like the unknown and taking things as they are and as it comes to you. Um, cannot be like, like, this is the perfect time to do this because of 2020 when it was just like, hey, everyone, turns out we're on a roller coaster. Here we go. What is the first adjective that most people describe 2020 as chaotic? Chaos. And like almost to the point where it's like overused, right? Mm -hmm. Like the chaos of this, the chaos of that, even just like regular news days, it's the, the chaos with the White House or whatever. Like the, even, you know, going to like, to the election of 2020. Chaos. Like, just, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, this year was highlighted by chaos. And I think you're exactly right. And so what this is doing, what we're trying to do, and what people have traditionally tried to do is 
to not only celebrate chaos, but accept it as a mechanism of the cosmos and primarily a mechanism for change. Because when chaos happens, change comes. And if we just went along the same all of the time, nothing would ever change. But I do believe, and this is my own philosophy, I'm sure someone said it before I, but that this chaos as a cosmic tool, yes. <clears throat> cosmic attribute, is neutral. It is not trying to do good or bad. And, you know, I don't think the cosmos sees in positive and negative terms. Right. Um, is, um, it's neutral. What it does is absorb the energies around it to produce whatever events that cause it to be chaotic. Yeah. So it's this neutral, it's us, it's us feeding the energy to chaos as to how chaos will be manifested on Epiphany. And it is up to us to resolve and look for the opportunity in chaos. And that's that's the human component of all this. And like right. you said, it's the chaos giving us through this. I don't think most people think of chaos as an opportunity for change. But it is, and, it, and maybe we're, we're more willing to approach it that way. You know, after all of these conversations around kind of like mindfulness and... You know, mm -hmm. not necessarily like acceptance of the way things are, but like accepting it in the now and kind of just like adjusting on the fly to just whatever is happening. Well, this is just how it is. Let's go. Let's keep going. And like, that's all you can do, right? Mm -hmm. There, There is no control in your everyday life, even though that's like what we're all striving for. Right. You cannot. Ultimately, the chaos of Epiphany or the chaos of the Twelfth Night the night before Epiphany um, so, January 5th, January 6th, tomorrow will be the Epiphany. And, you know, we're sitting here with the Georgia Senate races <laughs> running. We have vowed not to pick up the phone to see what's happening. That's its own chaos. Um, but, so it's not about accepting the things that led up to this chaos or the outcome, but accepting the very tool of chaos itself by the universe and saying... We celebrate this because our world has changed often because of chaos. And often that chaos is violent. That chaos is disturbing. That chaos makes us feel like we have no agency in this world right. at all. And that's what we're saying. We do. This chaos is a cosmic tool, you know? And that's what we're celebrating tonight. Indeed, chaos can be scary frequently horrific, and has often been historically doused in violence, bloodshed, misery, and even an occasional demonstration or beheading. Seems like a reason to party to me. But we were looking beyond the physical events themselves and into the deeper cosmic causes of chaos, of which this holiday provided a unique glimpse. And I mean, even going kind of beyond that, this idea of like chaos is a response to kind of is responding to whatever energy we give it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of like a magical concept or an occult concept type thing. These these ideas of like a, a thought form and the thought forms that you know, as a society, like that can control you know whether even like a nation's destiny or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Like the the idea of manifest destiny is a bunch of people all agreeing like on a subject, so then it happens. Mm -hmm. 
It's absolutely true. And, you know, I mean, I think of all the years... The idea up, had to form the happening. Right. Yeah. All, all the years leading up to 2020, really since, like, the end of 2012, right? So, like, the Mayan calendar says the world's going to end. So everyone starts joking about, like, timelines and stuff. And then, like, we have, we have 2016 and things get wonky again. And here we are four years later again. And it, it feels extra wonky again. And, but... You know, the, the, it's, it's, it's taking a moment to kind of recognize that and like we're all still here, well, most of us. Yeah, and like, great point. Some of us aren't. Like, what? Are, how many Americans are, aren't with what? us because of... 300,000 or whatever. This madness. Yeah. COVID-19 has now claimed the lives of almost 400,000 Americans. The daily total of deaths regularly exceeding the number of lives lost on 9-11. The past year has been a slow-burning, almost now maddeningly monotonous chaos itself, which instead of binding us together, instead of tugging us away from our cultural narcissism and frenzied selfishness, has created a more divided, angry, and self-centered citizenry. If the cosmos, through COVID, was trying to get us to look inward, as Lori and I believe, to figure out who we really are, and to remind us of what really is important, well, we didn't get it. Not at all. The next great cosmic nudge might not be as gentle. You know, I thought about, a lot about, when we knew we were going to do this and we discovered all these amazing things about Twelfth Night. <clears throat> um, as you know, very much invested in Judaism for many years and of course it's in the Torah, it's in the you know Old Testament, but, you know, more specifically, the, the Kabbalists and the Zohar, they talk about, you know, the chaos was called Tohu Vabohu. And God's face hovered over just the chaos. And it was from that chaos that God built the world. Chaos, that chaos was the foundation of the world. Um, and you think about human events, you think about... Volcanoes, you say, yeah, like it is the mechanism of our universe, right? To a certain extent, I think even like in a literal sense, like like physics, right? Like the the Big Bang or whatever, right? This moment of absolute chaos created reality. Our heritage is chaos, mm -hmm. biologically and otherwise. And you take natural selection. And take all of those things that made us human. What's more chaotic than the the you know survival of the fittest um, right. that caused us to be who we are? Right. So here, your <laughs> glass. Here's the chaos. Not being trivial about the fact it can be scary. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt. Um, but. But you know, I, th I think there's a, um, like chaos can be good and bad, positive or negative, but I think that's also why there's like words of like, like havoc or like harmony. Like we, we, we created mm. these, or like even like pandemonium, which is like the next step up from chaos or mm -hmm. something. Like we've, we've created words that surround chaos to describe different levels of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to disagree with you. 
I don't think it's good or bad because we don't know the opportunity that's coming out of it. So well, maybe the chaos, you know, whether it's neutral, but I, it's neutral, but maybe the yeah. chaos that happens, you won't know it was a good chaos until a hundred years from now. Right. It's right. kind of the you know the chaos theory and the butterfly effect. You know, butterfly, you know, flaps its wing. Flaps its wing in Texas, and there's a you know a, a, a typhoon in in you know India. That these small things can often have over time enormous effects. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I don't think just at first glance you can look at a particular event and say it's good or bad because yeah. um, you know you take something like very chaotic you take something like the march over the selma the bridge in selma chaotic horrible yeah. horrible horrible but that very much gave birth to you know civil rights legislation and all those things right. and voting rights but not that that's in any way saying anybody should have to go through that but so to look at that on its face and say it's a it's a bad thing it is but i don't i don't i think the mechanism of chaos is more complex than that. Yeah. No, I, I feel like we're both trying to be careful with our words, but you're we're discussing something like hypothetically theoretical mm -hmm. in a way that is like I mean it's literally chaos, so it, it almost defies like a definition. Yeah. So I hopefully no one takes anything we say like well overly seriously. And what I'd like to equate it with is let's just think of the cosmic apparatus of chaos as the same exact thing as the weather. Mm-hmm. Cosmos doesn't think rain is good or bad, mm -hmm. or the absence of rain is good or bad. Human right. beings do. Right. It'll flood us, and it'll kill our plants if there's a drought. It's just a thing that's happening. But the mechanism itself is neutral. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, you know, we kind of discovered a holiday that celebrates all this. is just... And it's a radical holiday. Like I said. I think that... And that's like the... Like an important piece, right? Like, and part of why we decided to do it was the fact that it's a radical holiday. That it's, yeah. it's a queer holiday. And when you go back to the biblical analysis of it with, you know, Caspar, Malchior, Balthazar visiting baby Jesus, when you look at it, and why this holiday lends itself to being so radical, if you look at Red Letter Jesus, and you go through your Bible, Red Letter Jesus Bibles are, you know, only what Jesus said is in red mm -hmm. letters. It's the most radical thing ever. Right. The meek shall inherit the earth. The first shall be the last. Like it is topsy-turvy. Like that's what the day celebrates is that, you know, that's what happened. Um, and that did, whether you agree or not, the birth of Jesus historical or otherwise or mythologically changed this world in... I mean, it's, it's what probably been nothing more that's changed this world right, than, yeah, like than it's 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 what created the now. Yes, arguably. Yeah, that's exactly right. So to celebrate that, and who doesn't want to be king or queen for the night? I think it's a perfect queer holiday. We need <laughs> to do this. You know, we all go home, have our Christmas, do all this. How great to have a queer holiday right after. Christmas, and not have to wait till Halloween. Right. But no, I mean, on, the, on that note, right, like so many people can't go home, or this year no one right. can go home. Should, no one should have went home. Good point. Um, 
you know, and at least in the, the, the kind of like queer world, there's the, like the bars are staying open on Christmas or like, like holidays when most people are going to see their family. Like the, the bars are open, they're, they're serving food um, or they're having like potlucks. And there's this idea of spending it with your chosen family if you can't spend it with your biological family. Chosen family, yes. Um, or like even adopted family or whatever. Like you can't, you can't go to the, the typical sense of home. And this is kind of just like a way that, like it's not even about family. It's like you and your neighbors or you and your friends. That's right. Whoever you want to bring near. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And so we continued on with several other traditional Twelfth Night holiday rituals. We chalked the door with the initials of the three kings, crosses, and the date in order to protect the house until Lent begins. We soaked toast in apple cider and then hung it in the trees so that the birds would carry it off, thereby also carrying off any evil that might be lurking on the premises. We burn a special emergency-only incense that Shane created himself, made of garlic, sulfur, pine, frankincense, and myrrh, to rid us of any remaining evil that the birds might inadvertently leave behind. And then we ate our king cake. It was delicious, and I got the bean, and so I ended up the king for the night, although I suspect that Shane wasn't that disgruntled about being the queen. Yet there was one more Twelfth Night tradition of which we had yet to partake. Let's talk about wassailing, mm-hmm. which we have cooking now. It has been in the crock pot for four hours. So wassail is basically some kind of alcohol. Brandy, port, ale. I mean, currently it smells like a little bit like poison. Yes, but... it probably is. <laughs> um, they use pour brandy, port, ale, everything in. And then um, you know, uh, so what I did is that, you know, it's brandy and we put in a sort of a tea bag full of cinnamon cloves, orange rinds, um, nutmeg, ginger, and then I have had roasting, uh, apples all day. So we took all the juice of the roasted apples and now the roasted apples are in the wassail, uh, heating, uh, with brandy. And this was... It's kind of spot spiced cider. Now, back, back, back in the day, it was kind of a, a, a pagan rural tradition. Mm-hmm. That's why I love it. There's so many combinations of traditions right. here. So, um, people would take this cider. You always had to have apple. That's the biggest thing in a wassail. And go to the orchards and, you know, pour libations around the um, apple trees because it's January and they want to wake them for spring and uh, pay tribute to the apples. Um, so that was a thing. That's how kind of wassailing started. Of course, what it turned into was um, a nightmare. When we see that, yeah, when we see, when we hear the uh, carol, here we go, a caroling. It used to be here we go, a wassailing. And so this was certainly brought over to the colonies. It became a mad drunken mob of people going door to door as you said demanding figgy pudding figgy pudding and alcohol and then they would be served at the houses and then the 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 man of the house would join the mob so by the middle of the night you had this huge drunken mob going house to house like bullying i mean this was intimidation Mm -hmm. this wasn't little carolers doing this um, and demanding alcohol at some points when firearms were available, there were guns and they would fire off guns. 
and it became this raucous holiday tradition. And so when you hear of the Puritans completely objecting to what we hear is Christmas, Christmas. well, Christmas didn't come to America really into the Victorian Christmas into mm -hmm. the 1880s. This is long before, centuries before. And they were objecting to wassailing because it was so raucous and crazy right. that it was um, really dangerous and horrible. I mean, like, in, to kind of, like, further emphasize the point, like, countries are outlawing Twelfth Night celebrations because it's so, right. it's so chaotic mm -hmm. and, and dangerous and, you know, the... It's like, well, everyone got drunk and burned down the town, so we're just not going to allow you to do this anymore. That's right. Like, <laughs> like it was at that level. It wasn't just rowdy. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And this, of course, created a atmosphere of welcoming when this Chris Victorian Christmas tradition reached here in the 1840s, 1850s, sort of going full force by the 1880s, Hearth and home. People stayed right. home and on Christmas Eve and with their family. It was very... And then, you know, obviously with religious connotations and Santa Claus and all mm -hmm. those things. So, religious leaders and businesses who wanted to sell Christmas yeah. presents and cards... Like, everyone's on board. We're all about Christmas. That yeah. We're all about Christmas. And so, wassailing kind of really did get kicked to the curb. But we and I, I can't confirm this, so we kind of see the dispersal of Twelfth Night activities to other points. So it goes from like arguably like very early on, like probably a solstice celebration kind mm -hmm. of thing, and then we adopt like the twenty fifth as like uh, a day to do like this family gathering thing. But then like now like we have New Year's Eve, right? And even some of the traditions from that of like like hiding a, a silver coin and mm -hmm. like the sauerkraut, like this is harkening back to like a bean okay or you get a mardi gras and now it's like reprisal of 12th night but now three months later absolutely and you know new year's eve is very reminiscent of 12th night right it really including is. like gunfire for right. whatever reason i don't know why people are well, especially in my neighborhood right. i sent you that you same know, but... we have ar-15s <laughs> but yeah but I, I never look at the clock and oh it's midnight my new year's i hear the you know semi-automatics going off um you're absolutely right and just to explain, so Twelfth Night in Epiphany um, is the end of the Christmas season. You're mm -hmm. supposed to take all your Christmas decorations down or keep them up till February 1st. Take them down. And then, so this is the beginning of Carnival season. So Carnival season ends with Mardi Gras that right. week and Fat Tuesday before Lent. So they really are bookends. Um... And you see a lot of these kind of Twelfth Night traditions in Mardi Gras. But if Mardi Gras doesn't represent chaos, I don't know what, what does. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's like what we think of it, but um, I don't know if it was always the case. I don't know. Mm, started out late 1800s as kind of a raucous parade, mm -hmm. which may have kind of been a form of wassailing. I right. mean, really. Um, to me, like... Without knowing the exact answer, and I should know this to talk about it, but whatever. Um, it just seems so much so similar that it was like, well, if we're gonna spend all day with our family, then we're gonna do this later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, even if it was like party atmosphere before, like it got turned up several notches. And partially too because 
the French really brought the original notion of Mardi Gras to New Orleans. But it was really embraced by all the people that came there from the French colonies and, you know, particularly yeah. African Americans who came from, you know, the Caribbean and the islands and all yeah. those sort of things. They're the ones that really imbued Mardi Gras with this this exhilaration and this this um, joy and this you know uh, just over the top as a celebration. So you know I think it's a great thing on you know January fifth, twelfth night. To it's a nice way to look at the this the rest of the winter too because here it is. It's gray. It's cold. What a great thing to think about. This is the beginning of the carnival season. Right and. Um, I just think it'd be a great. It would. I. I would love to have a, tw a big twelfth party, twelfth night party next year, and have a bunch of queers going down the road wassailing, um, <laughs> in a in a more you know controlled manner. Yes. But we would be like queer caroling on mm -hmm. on January fifth and turn this into a thing. Like this is this is a never with the exception of Halloween was there never a more queer holiday. And like you say, they share some of the same, the same. Uh, like essence or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your only reference to Twelfth Night might be, as mentioned before, the knowledge of Shakespeare's comedy named after the holiday. Twelfth Night itself is never mentioned in the play. However, the plot embodies its very essence. Viola and Sebastian, two adult orphan twins, are in a shipwreck and washed up separately onto the shores of Illyria. Viola, thinking her brother is dead, decides that she must disguise herself as a man because she is a woman alone in a foreign land, and therefore in danger. She calls herself Cesario. She comes to the attention of Duke Orsino, the ruler of Illyria. Orsino, it seems, is in love with a fair maiden, Olivia, but Olivia refuses his advances. Orsino, noting how well Cesario, or Viola, plays the piano and recites poetry, and is so appealing that he entreats him to woo Olivia in his stead, or him. Well, in the process, Olivia falls in love with Cesario, or Viola, and Cesario, or Viola, falls in love with Duke Orsino. So, Orsino loves Olivia, who loves Cesario, who loves Orsino. And as they say, chaos ensues, and in the end, everyone ends up happy, and their arms are their truly beloved. But the topsy-turvy nature of gender and sexual attraction in the play is rather radical and astonishing. Thus, the reason Shakespeare called his play Twelfth Night. And, if you take into consideration that only men were actors in Shakespeare's day, you have men playing women playing men. Pure camp. This is all just further evidence for convincing you that this is the best new queer holiday ever. And you know what, I, I think back to this too, and again, not trying to trivialize this, and I'm certainly not happy it happened, but you know, this community has lived through a pandemic before. Right. And it was horrible, and you know, if, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have that pandemic. But that pandemic and what that happened with the queer community and is, is partially how we got marriage equality today. Because it was the first time that people came out. You couldn't be in the closet anymore right. when everybody was dying. Um, and then it made people start to know queer people because people came out. And this kind of political visibility and that we did have power. And right. that we did have economic power. And that we did have you know, social power and political power. And that, you know, again, there was nothing more chaotic than the age years. Right. So, because 
specifically like in, in in like queer politics or whatever, there was like this like the sixties and seventies were really great and I mean they weren't great, but like things were going in the right direction. Totally empowered, totally yeah, yeah progressing forward. Yeah. yeah. And then there was like like a leveling off, which is normal, right? You can't just like progress to the end. Um and then like AIDS happened and it just wiped it all away. Like suddenly, Everything. like to to be gay or to be queer was like you were pariah again, and it was awful. I left and, in like, the curb in front of Saint Vincent's Hospital. You're contagious. Uh, like it was like all like anything bad, name mm-hmm. it. Boom, that's what it is. Everyone's dying. Um, like obviously, I didn't live through this, but like it, it, it it's like so awful. But it, it it was a galvanizing moment. It was like we can either die out, like. Mm-hmm from how we know it and, and and we did like we lost an entire generation or more of people right or we can go we have to fight for ourselves mm-hmm. and that's what we did but yeah so you know and i think just coming back to this kind of ethereal um sort of hard to put your hand around notion of chaos um and it makes you think about that. I, I think I told you this before, but years ago when I visited a Palestinian refugee camp on a trip to Israel, um, we got to meet with some of the Palestinian refugees. And the the bishop, it was Bishop, bishop Judith Craig from Methodist Church, who was leading this um, group, and she asked him how he could deal with essentially the chaos of every day and, yeah. and the kind of misery and poverty, but specifically the chaos. And um, this was before the second Antifada. This was late 90s, probably 96, yeah. 97. And I will never forget his answer as long as I live. He said, chaos is proof of the hand of God. And, you know, it was such a surprising answer that only through that will we change. It's, it's, it's God, God's yeah. hand allowing us to change our situation. And I was like... And only till recently when I started thinking about Twelfth Night and kind of thinking about chaos, did, did whether this been 30 years or 25 years, did his words kind of make sense to me? Yeah. And even still, like, it, it seems, at least with like our modern kind of conceptions of like a god or a universal power or whatever, it, we, we typically think of it as like a kindness. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think even though we've talked about it in other terms, I don't think we view chaos as a kindness. So it, it's still, like, it. why would God do that? But, like, even just, I don't know, five minutes ago, we were talking about, like, the universe was birthed from chaos. Yes, yes. Like, of course that's God. Yes, yes. Of course that's, like, how you yes. create an opportunity. And whether or not the chaos serves us or not is how we determine whether it's good or bad. Right. And when in reality, it's, it's not relevant. It's not relevant. The cosmos doesn't know what that is. Right. It just takes all those energy, and that's a little bit scary right now, too. Yeah. Takes all of these energies out there, and, you know, then on the epiphany. Because I think there's, like, some element, I think, of everyone, um, where we think, like, there's this, like, there's this idea that the universe is controlled, like, maybe, like, predestination, mm-hmm. right? Like, things are determined... Just how it is. It's fate. It's fate. destiny. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's not. It's just like, I don't know, the the classic old man with a beard, God, 
rolling some dice and is like, well, Shane's moving six spaces. What's that? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, it's in big Go to jail. Go yeah, directly to just, jail. That's, that's right. That's That's right. But this actually seems chaos to me just in sort of thinking about it and researching it is there is so much human will, free will associated with it. So the chaos happens, yeah. but there is free will to react to that chaos. But that's how, like, maybe not all that's been kind of recorded for, like, this purpose, but, like, so many of our conversations have focused around this idea of mindfulness. And, like, it, you can only control how you react to a situation. Correct. In the present. In the present. Yeah. Right. And... I don't, not to be like a new age guru here or something, but like, I think that's something everyone needs to focus on. And really it's, it's what's gotten me through this last year, mm-hmm. right? Like it, name it, it went wrong this year. Okay. But like, okay, so this is falling apart. We're just going to do this now. And it, it's just this idea of like, you, you just do what you can, when you can, how you can. Not to be like, oh, human consciousness is all powerful, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if there is, like, a, a conscious component, like, I guess that, that kind of presumes that, like, the, the universe has a, a conscious to it, right? Or there's, like, a simulation type thing that we can influence. Um, but, like, is there a tipping point when enough people are sharing a similar thought that it could cause that thought to happen? Yes. I, I am in. You know, like... I mean, I think that's how it works. Right, but, like, I mean, how... Like, that's pretty radical, right? Like, think it. It's it's not necessarily radical when you're thinking about like the good things. It's radical when you're thinking about the bad. Yeah, things. no, like, no shit. And we know, like, obviously, a lot of people um, had to kind of like either actively or passively participate in some like atrocities. But like, in order to trigger that, does that mean all of those people and maybe more were kind of like it was on the back burner of their brain? Mm-hmm. And like, just providing enough little like passive energy. To create a moment where it, the universe was like, do or don't, shit or get off the pot. I was just going to say, shit or get off the pot. What do you really feel about this? Right. And you know what? I think you can take the civil rights movement as, as very much that. But, no, I mean, exactly. Like, it was like, here's another bad moment. Do something. Right. Or don't. Right. And it's like, so like, like rewriting history, say, like, Emmett Till happens and nothing changes. Like, what's the next step after that? Is it a worse thing? Is it a massacre? Is it a bombing? Like, is there another opportunity? Or is it actually just like, is there just a, a removal of rights, of civil rights even further? Right. And if you look at that, you know, Emmett Till, who inspired Rosa Parks, who inspired, you know, that, that is, it was like, kind of this punctuated yeah. equilibrium that happened um, to, 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 you know, culminate 10 years later. But, it's, but I guess that's my point. It's right? so like there's that moment. So now are there just a bunch of people around that moment thinking we have to do something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what tips it? Is that what and tips that, it? I think, is exactly the kind of energy that chaos pulls on right? to make you, t- make you take a side. Like, okay, shit or get off the pot. Do yeah. you believe this or don't you? And, you know, here's a scary thing. A little bit. You know, I know it's probably fine. I mean, there's nothing they can do about it. But, you know, the fact that the counting of the Electoral College votes are on epiphany. Yes, less than 12 hours later, after speaking those words, insurrectionists stormed the Capitol. Chaos. Pure chaos. On epiphany. 
we recorded this segment a week later. After we had our 12th night extravaganza and tempted the gods um, the of chaos, chaos. Uh-huh. of chaos, <laughs> we yeah, no, like, so we've been talking about it all week, and uh, we had to we had to come back together and like really just like rehash what that night meant in context of current events, I guess, and. Um, not just current events, but what freaking but, happened the next afternoon yeah, right. on Epiphany! Right. I mean, like, putting everything in context of, like, unintentional oops with magic. Um, <laughs> not that we caused it, but, like, in hindsight, we didn't help it. But we go back to our original <laughs> theory. What do we talk about? The opportunity for change. Like, we're... Yeah. You know, in that in that really refusing to say whether it was good or bad, not the incident itself, but the magic we pulled forward. And again, we're not saying Shane and I caused the storming <laughs> of the Capitol. If, but if if we are that powerful, stand send back. checks, send checks. <laughs> um, but remembering, here's where we need to stick to what we said. We said that chaos was a neutral. mechanical tool of the cosmos itself is not good or bad but that it would gather the energies around it and bring these things to pass that is exactly what freaking happened but I will tell you the shock on Wednesday afternoon not just because we talked about this until 4 o'clock in the morning the night before but this, it, it was staring us in the eyes. I mean, we can talk about the separate event and what that means to us politically and in the world and everything, but taking it from a, you know, our 12th night talk, it's freaking sad. It's exactly what we were talking about. I mean, your, your text to me that day, what, I don't remember like verbatim, but it was like, this is the chaos we were talking about. Yes. And, and I mean, you know, it happening on Epiphany, it is that moment of like awakening. Like, what is the new reality? Like, what are you going to do? Are you, are you gonna shit or get off the pot? Like, yeah. what, what's happening? This is your moment, you gotta seize it. And, and as we said, like you just said, and as we said that night, Epiphany, that this yeah. chaos will bring an Epiphany. And I was so struck that day, this was really what staggered me, was how many times, and I would go through stations or whatever, mostly, you know, I don't have cable, so I'm streaming whatever just to find out whatever I can the the word of the day was chaos every yes. single reporter or journalist would would say the word chaos. chaos and I was like so when I was texting you I was like holy shit Shane this is exactly what we were talking about and chaos even the, the night capital. before we said oh so tomorrow's the electoral college and you know what's going to happen on epiphany holy shit I mean it, I don't think anyone Anyone in their right mind couldn't have, you know, really foreseen this. Um, I think several days removed from that now, um, people are saying it was foreseeable. It was foreseen. Um, there were well, we did, well, we didn't foresee it, but we talked about the night before. No, I, I you mean, know, uh, this happening on Epiphany. Right, right. I mean, well, you know, talking about like, I mean, gosh, our biggest concern then wasn't even like the electoral college. Just you know, oh, there was craziness around that or whatever. It was up Georgia. It was this idea like, are we going to get two Senate seats or not? And you know, I think by the time I left here, 
it was like, yeah, we got two. Right. One isn't confirmed. Right. Correct. But um, we were pretty assured by the time you left it was that like, night that all the outstanding votes are from heavily Democrat areas. And so we were like, oh, yay for chaos. Yeah. Like that, that was the <sighs> chaos we were celebrating. Like this, this changing chaos rather than this like havoc chaos. But it fits right in with what we were saying, that it absorbs the energies around it and it forces an epiphany. It forces a moment of, are you in this or are you not? Where do you stand? That's exactly, exactly that's, what happened. That, the, the idea of where do you stand. Yes. That's what, there, there's been a lot leading to that moment. Like, you know, other, other points where people could have had these conversations of saying, you know, where do you stand? Um, and I know we, we talked about this, so I'll let you talk about it more, but like the idea of this, this, this moment, that, that moment, so the moment of the sixth, um, going back to like the civil war, yep. like that is chaos from then is repeated now. Yep. That chaos will <laughs> return as long as it's unresolved. And that's the energy that's flying around. And you know, we, we're certainly not the first to talk about the fact that we've all been realizing in the last couple of years, if not earlier, um, particularly that, you know, we always knew this, but it really being driven home is that the Civil War isn't over. It has never been resolved in this country. It was, and then Reconstruction undid all of that. Right. Um, and that, you know, particularly this summer, you know, with Black Lives Matter, I mean, you know, People that we didn't think would be getting it got it. That you know, we have, we have soccer moms, like suburban soccer moms out there, getting maced, fighting for these things. That you know, they're they're this you know this group that doesn't care allegedly. You know, and, and now they're 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 seizing the moment and getting it. Yes. And, and to kind of like expound upon that, right? Like, not to be too on the nose, but these people were wearing shirts that say "Civil War." I know. I know. The Confederate flag was in the Capitol. Well, that is to me, there's two pictures that just, I think I sent them to you that day or commented on them. The first of that Confederate flag being carried through those halls, the Confederate flag has never, ever, even during the Civil War, didn't come, what, what was it, 12 miles like from, that, yeah. has never been flown in that. And... You know, when that pig man bear guy, whatever he is with the, you know, we all know who I'm talking about. The guy with the horns Sh and the... Like the Q shaman or whatever his name is. Yeah, and the, with the Aryan yeah. tattoo on his yeah. stomach. I sent you a fucking picture that said, this is the face of right. this chaos. Right. When you think of it, we're talking about pagan and, and these, these wassailing, you know, uh, you know, mad, uh, you know... Uh, disruptions right that's the fucking face of this 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 chaos this one and it did gather it's gathered all the energies of this country and there it is now you 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 better have a fucking epiphany on epiphany like this is the right, time right. to figure out how you feel about this and do something about it and it's it's just stunning to me that it 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 I mean, particularly, I guess, like, for us, in light of, like, the night before, having, like, to to go back to, like, the conversations we had about, 
like like the Lincoln funeral train and like seeing the plume and being like the universe is recognizing that we're recognizing the universe. Mm-hmm. Like it's like looking back at you, right? But seeing an image of this like guy dressed up in like pseudo pagan garb, right? And this guy next to him with a Q shirt on. It was just like the universe <laughs> looked at us and was like, here's a photo of the moment. Weren't you just talking about this? Hello, remember, less than 12 hours before. Right. And again, this is the perfect time to realize the event was horrific. The event was inexcusable. The event is, you know, one of the really horrible things that's happened. Now, let's take that event and set it aside. It is yet to be determined whether that chaos will end up good or bad because of the human free will and response to that. That was our whole point talking about Twelfth Night in that chaos. That chaos doesn't care. Like it happened, it did its thing, and we've spent the the, the next six days, right? Six days, um, debating whether or not anything is going to come of that chaos. That's right. And we may not know that. We still don't know. One hundred and fifty years later. Where the chaos of the Civil War led. Do you know where it led, it led here? Now, were there good things that have happened? Yes, of course. Right. You know, because of the Civil War. Were there horrific things in Reconstruction and all these horrible things and Jim Crow and mass incarceration? All those things that have, you know, plagued our African-American community for these centuries. So it's not that chaos isn't done being played out. Right. We're, we're back no in it because it's been, it has not been resolved. That's exactly right. right. And it's going to keep coming back until it's resolved. Especially when the energy of this country is saying, this needs to be resolved. Yeah, it's, it's demanding to be looked at. And it, I mean, it's, it's demanding to be looked at. And it has been demanding to be looked at. But it's like, like at certain points, it, it flares up. And I mean, this, this past year was like another like monumental case of it flaring up and yes. saying look at this resolve it yes and you know the, the the culmination of events from last week it was just like you know even you know kind of like abstract removed from a, a, like this conversation of saying like this is what we were all fearful would happen mm-hmm. like well it happened like is that is that people worrying about it so what happened or is it just the continuation of this needs resolved like, what part did we play in the creation of the chaos? Of the chaos, yeah. yeah. Outside of the, like, very real steps we took to cause a situation. <laughs> well, no, we didn't cause a situation. I'll be very clear about that. We said to chaos, we see you, we know you. We celebrate the cosmos in its many unknowable features. That's all we said. That's all we said. <laughs> We have the FBI knocking on our door. <laughs> right. Some like CIA special ops group. Yeah, and the what irony is that exactly? the irony is that of all these people involved, you and I will go to the you know the, the electric chair, both of us. Um, so uh, yeah, it's not a good it's not a good time to have Q in our name. I know <laughs> we've had some people that have thought it was a Q and on podcast. Not about Q and on, but still good. Five stars. <laughs> it's the best review we've ever got. <laughs> But I think, you know, there's power in this. And, and I think, you know, I think one of the challenges, as we've said, with the, with the cosmos and learning how to deal with this pandemic and taking it as an opportunity to go within and, and figure out who you are and, and all of that, 
I think it's important that we start looking at this kind of chaos in this way. Absolutely. It doesn't mean we cannot respond or hold anybody accountable as far as I'm concerned. Throw them in the you know, jail law and, yeah. and throw away the key. Um, but, um, you know... It's like a, a cultural societal moment of, of looking in the mirror yes. and saying, like, who are we? And seizing and realizing within this horror, which it really was, yeah. realizing within this horror there's great opportunity for change for good. Correct. And really looking at it that way. Yeah. You know, the, I totally understand how everybody's horrified. I, I was, we were too. Yeah. Uh, still am. I don't, we don't know what's going to happen next week right. or the week after right. that. Um, but just to start shifting, you know, your own ideas about what that chaos is. So, yeah, it's been quite a, it's been a lot for us to think about because, you know, truth of matter, you know, like I said, besides chaos theory, and that's, you know, mathematical and potentially biological, you know, chaos theory, but I hadn't really thought about the notion of chaos until we decided to do that last, and that's what Twelfth Night is about, and Epiphany is about. So it was just like, it, it just all kind of came home so quickly, and so robustly yeah, yeah, the next like, day that it was just like, what? What was supposed to be kind of just like a, a casual conversation and like unique idea in like concept kind of thing turned into a like you know even though we talk about politics a lot like there's no way to sit here and be like we talked about chaos and then a whole bunch of chaos happened but we're not going to talk about anything that happened that's right, that's <laughs> right. yeah because we were going to do a, a ghost in the white house yeah. episode but uh we that doesn't seem quite so relevant at the moment i think we'll hold that off for president's day but um <laughs> Yeah, wow. Wow. And so, chaos visited us all on Epiphany. And even more than a call to our national conscience, it seems the cosmos is begging us, each of us, for an honest and thorough self-reckoning. There within is a unique opportunity for us to get it right this time. We'll see if we, as citizens and human beings, can rise to the occasion that the cosmos has now offered us. And thanks to the age-old traditions of Twelfth Night, our eyes were open to the recognition of this precious gift. Just like the treasures the three kings of old brought to the refugee baby in the manger. And yet we have not told the entire story of these three kings or wise men. According to the Gospel of Matthew, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born? king of the Jews. For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. 
on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. With human free will, they chose not to inform King Herod of the location of the newborn, a child he wished to kill. And so it seems that chaos at its very core presents momentary and powerful human opportunities. A small sudden crack revealed in the fabric of the cosmos, granting us the potential for true and authentic change. It is up to us as to exactly what that change will be. Maybe realizing that is the real epiphany. This show was created by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends. Be weird. Stay curious. These are the Q-Files. <laughs>